All right, we're back. Welcome to episode number five of the Donda Chat. Uh, <laughs> 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 we're just playing. Welcome to episode number five of Three and Out Podcast, Brett Shoves. Always alongside the best Mike Cicchetti and the best Ben Pope. Oh. Yes, both of you are the best. Thank you. It's great to be back. Why not? I don't feel like the best right now. Why? <laughs> why? Because we started out like that. <laughs> What's Donda wrong with Donda? Donda. 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 Donda, okay. Donda, Donda. It's uh, good to be back here, guys. It's so oh, yeah, fantastic. Super glad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's jump right into week two action in the NFL. Going on right now as we're recording between the Packers and Lions. Don't know how on earth the Lions are in this game, but they are somehow in it. Um, but let's recap Thursday and Sunday's action. I guess we'll start with Thursday night with the football team and Giants. Dustin Hopkins gets a break. Game-winning field goal on the second try, and the football team come away with the win. I don't know why Washington had it this close with the Giants in the first place, but they got the win. Finally, win number one of the season for Washington. Yep. What did we think uh, was the issue and why Washington was so close with New York the entire time? I think that's a little disrespectful, Brett. I think that the Giants had a pretty good ball game going on. They did. Honestly, if – not for a drop in the end zone during the fourth quarter on a, a beautiful pass from Danny Dimes. Darius! Darius Slayton yeah. uh, dropped a big old touchdown there, and there were there were a couple touchdowns that were called back there for the Giants. There was a 50-yard yeah. rush for Daniel Jones, who Daniel Dimington had a beautiful game. Uh, he did have a good the game. The stats don't really back it up, only 249 passing and a touchdown, but a really good game overall for Daniel Jones, who... Uh, unfortunately, now moves to four and one lifetime against Washington, which is a really uh, stunning stat to be seen. But remember, yeah. Washington uh, was kind of in the mediocre melodies for a little bit. But um, honestly, I think it was just uh, kind of adjustment period for Taylor Heineke um, during those first couple quarters. It's his first starting action uh, since that playoff game against Tampa. Uh, obviously, he got some action during uh, last week's contest against the Chargers, but. Still adjustment period there. Um, aside from Terry McLaurin, it didn't seem like uh, most of the offensive pieces were clicking. Antonio Gibson had a kind of mediocre game, and then yep. the rest of the passing game didn't wasn't doing too much. Um, and like I mentioned, uh, the Washington defense uh, was kind of being toyed with by Daniel Jones, so it was up to Heineke and Terry McLaurin. Uh, those two had an unbelievable uh, game together. McLaurin had a really good game. Uh, just looking at his stats real quick. 11 for 107, a touchdown. Still at, very adamant about this. He is DeAndre Hopkins 2.0. Please just let this man get a good uh, quarterback. And once he will, once he does, uh, like Diop has right now uh, in Murray and with previously Deshaun Watson, um, this man can be completely unlocked because even without it right now, he's a top 10 wide receiver. But I won't go on too, on long, too long on that. Um, but, yeah. Big costly uh, mistake there on the field goal attempt by Hopkins, which was yep. originally a miss. Um, but yeah, honestly, a game that the Giants should have won, but Washington sneaks away with it and uh, kind of a gimme win that they kind of needed to prevent them from going 0 2. Yeah, it was kind of sloppy play all around for both sides on the game. You had a lot of offensive penalties and defensive penalties for both sides which costed the Giants more so in the end. Like Ben said, it was kind of the Giants game. 
they should have won that because they didn't play the better ball game. But I'm happy that Washington was able to pull it out. So, surprised you haven't mentioned Diami's season. I was going to when he brought up the offensive weapons okay. with the Diami season catch. I told Brett I'm going to roll in here with a Diami season T-shirt one day. If you do, that will be the greatest day of the semester. We'll do that. I'm getting a Diami Brown jersey. As Ben looks at him in confusion. Hey, uh, this is coming from a person that has a Taysom Hill jersey, so listen, I don't want to hear it. You can't disrespect Taysom Hill. He's one of the best gadget players of all time. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on from Thursday night <laughs> oh, God. game. Um, let's move into Sunday. Start with the Raiders and Steelers, a game where I tweeted this out as the game was happening. Mike Tomlin is notorious for playing down to his competition. You had game one against the Bills, played a phenomenal game, beat the Bills there and where, were they, where they were the underdogs, and then played against the Raiders where they were favored to win and then lost by a sizable amount to Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr. What do we think went wrong with the Steelers in that game? I don't know, Doug. You take it, man. Oh, my God. This, this man says, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, first of all, I disagree that they played up to the Bills' potential in week one. Because, honestly, I think aside from that blocked punt, the Steelers played just as bad as the Bills. But um, talking about this game specifically, I think the Raiders just outplayed them in most senses of the way, um, mainly at quarterback. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. Oh, yeah. I understand that, like, I think it was a lot of hype, um, at least for myself, that I thought the beat reports coming out that, oh, he was on a better diet, he might have a better season, um, he's coming off top, I mean, John Fully, he's had a couple, like, mediocre melody games yeah. uh, where re- really he hasn't done too much. 295 passing, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, it was an early pick uh, in that game as well, so kind of allowed the Raiders to put the precedence on there early. And Derek Carr had another good game, uh, a better completion game in this one. It was kind of 50-50 in the first game um, against Baltimore, but better in this one, uh, 382 uh, passing yards, two touchdowns. Uh, You mentioned the big catch by Henry Ruggs. Um, Kind of spreading the ball a lot uh, throughout the offense between guys like Brian Edwards, uh, Darren Waller, who uh, has usually the focal point, but uh, only got five catches in this one. Hunter Renfro as well, even Kenyon Drake without uh, without Josh Jacobs there, and even Foster Moreau, who's been a great red zone option for the Raiders, got into it as well. Their pass rush has been pretty solid in the first two games, and they got to Big Ben uh, a decent amount in this one, especially with the weak line that they do uh, have, and it's still somewhat of a problem there. Yeah, You can just look at Najee Harris. He has... I'm pretty sure he has under 45 rushing in both of these contests, even though he had a better game overall in this one because he had the 25-yard catching touchdown. But, yeah, I think the Raiders just honestly outplayed their opponent for the second week in a row. Um, I really really hope it's not the case where we were talking up last year, but then they kind of just fade away. They did because I remember last year when – Beginning of the season, Derek Carr said he saw Tom Brady's face on the front of the newspaper in Vegas, and that motivated him. And then he started off with a great season, MVP-like numbers, and they kind of just like 
simmered down. Because you I remember, ha- like, the big win that they had in New Orleans, I think it was week two or week three. That was, like, a statement win early on in the season. Wasn't that, like, a, yeah. a Monday, Monday or Thursday night, night game? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like it's kind of going to be the same thing this year because I don't see them having the longevity for the whole season. I like Derek Carr. I think he shuts a lot of the doubters up because Derek Carr is a good quarterback. But just overall, I don't know if team-wise they will be able to keep up with the big the big boys in the AFC. I want to Oh, you were about to say something. Oh, I was just going to say I'm celebrating now cuz uh this can kind of tell you when um we're recording this on Monday night. Uh, Robert Tonyan just got a 22-yard touchdown from Rodgers, so it's 20 21-17. I'll gladly take that. I have him in one league. Um I just want to mention quickly what you said about Najee having, I believe it was under 50 yards rushing now, or under 45 yards is what I think you exactly said. Um, I think this offensive line is struggling, partly because the loss of Munchak, obviously now in Denver, thank God. Um, but Steele's offensive line is definitely hurting, and I think it's showing Najee, when he tries to run, he's not getting a lot of holes from the line. You, you almost see him trying to force his way through, looking for shielding, looking for just ways that he can force a gap through. He's not used to that sort of uh, ground-and-pound sort of offense. He had to make a lot of shifty plays in Alabama. You know, he had the opportunities to do so, but now in Pittsburgh where he has a line that can't really make the opportunities for him, he has to do it for himself, which I think he's not really used to, and it's going to take time. Agreed. All right, let's... Let's move on to the next game. Let's move on to Titans and Seahawks. Wow. Ben shaking his head, not happy. You, you really just go for the gullet right there. Like, I, I I knew you wanted to talk about this one. So I really didn't. Just... <laughs> really wow. did not want to talk about this one. Wow. The... All right, let's just... No, we're going we're gonna to talk about well, this I, I kind of want to talk about it. We're going to talk about this go one. Go ahead. So, obviously... As the narrative wrote, Randy Bullock won the game for the Titans on a game-winning field goal in overtime. <laughs> ben is not happy at all. Randy Bullock, the hero, as we get a streetcar down there. Thanks for interrupting our podcast. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the Andrew tit- didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew got scared. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but the Titans and Seahawks were both back and forth the entire way. Um, I'll let these two talk about it, but frankly, from both sides, it seemed like the uh, Titans were struggling a little bit in this game, but somehow managed to sneak away with the win, and uh, they now are 1-1. One one. Yeah, I mean, Julio Jones with over 100 yards. A.J. Brown with kind of a disappointing game. I think he had under 50 receiving yards. What was it? Three receptions on 43 30, yards. Uh, 43. Uh, Derrick Henry. Big game for Derrick Henry. Didn't he have six receptions as well, which is the most? Career high for Derrick Henry. Six catches in this yep. one. I think he went for 56 yards. This isn't horrible. Yep. For Derrick Henry, that's very good. Yeah. 35 carries, 182 yards, and three tutties. Ryan Tannehill, about 350 passing yards with no touchdowns, no picks. But... A fumble. I don't don't know. The Titans are kind of... It's growing pains. Is it growing pains? I don't... I I think it's time for them to, like, find... 
they got to find out their identity when it comes to the passing game because it's really confusing at this point when you have two players in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And in both of these contests that they've played so far, they're combining for like six or seven catches in the games in general when those two are like one of the best duos in the league. And then you have uh, guys like the best duo yeah, on paper. Um, no cap. Like we'll see how they play the rest of the season. Well, that's what I'm saying. Cap up until up until no, 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 no. Cap. Who's better? Jerry, Judy, and Corlin Sutton, baby. Okay, okay. This okay. is why you... Anyways. Oh, my God. No, I'm just talking about um, on paper <laughs> so far this year. I know, right? Um, Unbelievable. No, Michael... Why'd you say it then? Because <laughs> why not? Oh, my God. I but, just like getting under your skin. <laughs> Michael Pruitt, Jeremy McNichols, Chester Rogers, Tommy Hudson, Jeff Swaim, and ah. Nick Westbrook. Dude... Why are these guys getting catches over Julio Jones and A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown had a bad game. He dropped a 50-yard touchdown yep. uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, he dropped also another, like, 40-yard play in um, in overtime. So a couple big catches there. He had a funny tweet that um, if you're able to pull it up in the meantime, Mike, uh, that would be very appreciative. But he had a funny tweet talking about, Something it, like one of his family members said about his drops, but I think I think you told me this earlier. It was like um, one of his family members told him he couldn't catch COVID for his life. Oh, it says someone from my family told me I wouldn't have caught COVID today if I if I tried to. LMAO. That's just hurtful, man. Um, <laughs> hey, at least he's got a sense of humor about yeah. it. Yeah, you know? yeah, but Tannehill, like he throws for three forty seven, which is uh, one of the most like prolific passing games that he's had uh, since he joined Tennessee, but. That's not really his game. His game is uh, efficiency, making the most out of his throws. And he really hasn't done that thus far. Like, he's playing against Seattle and Arizona, two teams where their defenses aren't, like, anything unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of weird for me to see that. Um, and Derrick Henry, he he had an amazing game. Honestly, might be the best game of his career, 35 uh, for 182 and three touchdowns, mentioned the six catches for 55, not 56 yards. So, unbelievable game there. Um, it's just weird. I don't. I still think they're the favorites in the division, but it's just because of how weak the division yeah, is. It's yeah. weak. Like Indianapolis has played terrible in their fir- first two games, and we'll probably talk about them later. We got to talk about them. Um, yeah. But and Tennessee still is. I think they're still very much in the driver's seat in this division. Yeah, they But are. It, it's when they come to the playoffs, are they just a one-and-done team just because of how their defense plays? They honestly need to find out and figure out their passing uh, approach that they had from last season, which was really great. You have to think that, is it because they lost multiple options in Janu and Corey Davis and only filled it in with Julio that they're trying to find that three now, um, which is clearly not Josh Reynolds, Brett? Um, I'm not even going to wow. look at you when you say this. Um, <laughs> or, but yeah, I'm just I'm just really confused about Tennessee and Seattle. They let them back into this game when they should have yep. put them yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, really disappointed on them. So I talk trash about Tennessee, but if you guys want to talk trash about Seattle, go right ahead. Because they were up twenty four to nine yeah, at the a half. Sizable amount. Twenty four to nine in the second half. The ten- Tennessee outscored them twenty one to six. Wow. Tied that game up, let them right back, and then Seattle had the ball 
first in overtime? They had it second, so uh, the Ye- Titans, I think they got one first down Yep. and then turned it over. But um, Russ got pushed back and almost a safety. That there was, yeah. there yep. was two calls, the Julio one, which would have changed stuff, and then the safety call, which if they didn't score on the next drive, they were would have given Russ another chance, which you never want to give Russ another chance. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's another guy, speaking of Derek, speaking of the Raiders sizzling away, Russell Wilson. That's kind of his storyline for the past, what, two years? Will he, how long is the leash in Seattle that he has? I wouldn't say that. I mean, he threw for 343, two touchdowns, two big ones to lock it in pretty swain. Just saying how he always, first half of the year, is always runaway MVP, and then it kind of slips away. Not not anything with the leash. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. but Well, that's why, like, and we had talked about this before we started recording here, that I still think Seattle, I think they're, like, the 1B to L.A. when it comes to, like, teams after the Chiefs and the Bucks to, like, be Super Bowl contenders at this moment. Like, right. the Rams are there. I think Seattle might be there, too. Um, but, I don't know. It depends on how strong Russ can stay throughout the season. Like, if he can play like he has been, like, over these first two, Obviously, and Russ has shown like he can be a baller uh, in these big games. But yep. it's honestly like what's uh, supporting him and everything, which didn't really work out today. And DK Metcalf is kind of another like underwhelming game. I was so, just looking into that. I was going to say I haven't heard much about him this year. He had four catches in the first contest for like sixty yards and a touchdown. Yep, uh, six for fifty three in this one. So. Nothing like bad or anything, but Tyler Lockett right. is absolutely yep. blown up. Yeah, he had an eight for one seventy eight and a touchdown in this one. Uh, he had, I believe, six or seven catches in the last contest, um, in their first game against Indy with a couple touchdowns. So seems like Lockett, uh, with a healthy groin, finally uh, might be the one A in this one A one B situation with DK. Yeah, at least almost, so far. It seems like every time Russ Wilson goes for a deep ball, it's to Lockett. Like it's almost guaranteed. And his ball tracking ability, it's beautiful to watch. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Let's do the um, whatever you whatever whatever is better. Let's do Come questions. On. Questions right. first, yeah. Ben Ben's questionnaire. I like it. Queries with Ben. All right. Um. Wow. So we're gonna really go over uh, the Ravens Chiefs now, and I'll go right into it, Andrew. Oh. Your boy finally did it. Mm-hmm. Um. So Lamar versus Mahomes part. Four, I believe. Yep. The Chiefs were ahead in this one, three nothing, um, and Lamar finally gets a game. comes comes back in this one, thirty five uh, or thirty six, thirty five. The final, uh, a key fumble in that game by Clyde Edwards-Helaire. There was a key pick as well from uh, Patrick Mahomes, but this one was Lamar Jackson as well. He had a couple very good drives back to back, scoring on rushing touchdowns. Um, so this was a big game for Lamar, and a lot of people were like, oh, maybe his MVP form could be back. Um, so I'll pose this to you guys. So this is Lamar versus Mahomes last night. Uh, what win, or what does this win prove uh, to you guys about Lamar? If anything. Let me go. So I always get super high and low on Lamar, depending on his performance, mm-hmm. because of his quarterback play. If he has a great game like this, you're obviously praising him, and rightfully so. But when he has a bad game, you're like, like I said last week, 
can he do this? Is he the answer? Is he going to have longevity in the playoffs? But then you see him have performances like this, and you're like, yeah, he, he can. can. stay consistent with them. He can, but it's a big statement win for them, especially with the, all the odds stacked against him because of this team. Specifically speaking on this season, do I think that they are a top contender? No, just because of all the injuries. But Lamar himself, he's a real deal. I've I've known this ever since he broke out that year, his second year in the league. I've known Lamar is the real deal. It's just a matter of can he bring his team to that extra step. Obviously, last week against the Raiders didn't look like it. Then you go out and have that heroic game against the Chiefs and take that win and sort of lead your team to victory and close a game. That was the big question, too, for the Ravens. Are they able to take a lead and then close the game? We saw that with the Titans, I believe, it was a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and they couldn't really finish it up against Tennessee. Um, can Lamar finish up games in crucial situations? And last night he proved it, and I, I think it was rightfully so why he's getting all this praise. I mean, I think Ben just mentioned it. 239 in the air, 109 on the ground, and three total tutties. It's pretty impressive, especially for a guy that only is known for his running capabilities. And the thing I hate about the Lamar slander is talking about, oh, he doesn't have a good arm, quarterbacks are known for their arm. He hasn't had good weapons, though. Outside of Mark Andrews, he's had Hollywood as his receiver one. Now he has Sammy Watkins, who's not... He's fast. Anything special, but he's an upgrade over Willie Sneed, who was a number two, maybe. And Rashad Bateman, the rookie, who I was super high on coming in once he comes back. Uh, he's got the weapons now, or better weapons now, so I hope he can finally show off that he does have a capable arm as well. So what I learned is purely from the consumer perspective, and it's that... <laughs> Lamar Jackson at his best is the best watch in football. Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs shtick, honestly, it's been two or three years now. Kind of getting old. Lamar Jackson at his best, though, it doesn't get old, man. Like, it it wasn't as consistent uh, this past year uh, from the previous season, but, man, during that MVP season – Lamar was watch, must-watch TV, and he was must-watch TV on Sunday. I still um, think one of the – sorry to cut you off, but one of the craziest plays we've ever seen was Lamar's – I think it was 60-yard run against Cincinnati two or three years ago. Broke three defenders, had a spin move, and went to the house. I mean, you just don't see that every day. I'm not going to say that – yeah, that was a, that was a great one. Um, I'm not going to say that Lamar is uh, like slam dunk – like great quarterback that can carry a football team. But what I will say is he's a very good quarterback. He's a former MVP. He's going to be getting, or honestly, he has gotten an approved weapon. And there's something that seems that it's clicked with Marquise Hollywood Brown because he's had two really good games. Um, and he looks legitimate. And he's been targeted legitimately by Lamar. And I know those two have a good connection off the field. And they've always had one good on the field. Hopefully that can develop into a one, uh, what wide receiver one type thing this year. Uh, Rashad Bateman coming back. Um, I Honestly, after this game, I have more confidence in the Ravens that their depth and the talent that they present alongside Lamar might be able to help. But 
man, it's just it's fun to watch the Ravens at their best, uh, just because just because of Lamar, and it's honestly a great thing to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, so we'll go into it. Our next little little query here, and so it's only a couple weeks since the NFL season. Uh, we've learned some things. I don't think we learned everything about uh, the different teams and everything, but one thing I will say is the divisions seem very different and stark, starkly different from each other. There are some that it looks like all the teams are contenders. Look at the NFC West. All the teams are either 2-0 and oh and sorry, Seahawks, you could have been 2-0, and oh, but you're 1-1. and one. Or there's divisions that are really struggling right now. I'll look at like the NFC North uh, where like I think the Bears would be leading it now with a 1-1 one one record, but I'll ask you guys, uh, at this moment in time, after just two weeks in the NFL season, what division do you see as the most up in the air for who can win it? That's thought-provoking. Um, you want me to start off? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So mine is, and I think this is one that I didn't think would be up in the air, but after the play from the team that I expected to be uh, the number one team, after two weeks, I think the AFC East is up in the air. Uh, Buffalo, I understand that they put up a 35 to nothing win against Miami, but there's only some things that the box score can show. And one thing it doesn't show is kind of the play and efficiency of the offenses. Josh Allen in the Buffalo offense was not that good against uh, Miami yesterday. They fed off a lot of turnovers from Jacoby Brissett and some fumbles there from the running backs as well. And there were a couple special teams plays in there as well. And Buffalo coughed off the ball a couple times as well uh, from some of their skill position players. And their defense, they were beaten up against Jacoby Brissett, who didn't think he was going to be starting in that game uh, against Buffalo. And then they lose the game to the Steelers on some sloppy plays, uh, one including the muffed punt that we mentioned earlier. And then you go over to New England, Miami, who would be the next two teams there. And Miami is a concern now with Tua. Their offensive line looked really bad against this improved Bills pass rush. We've talked, I've been talking about it amongst friends. Like, if the Bills got pass rush, they would honestly be up there with the Chiefs. And now they got the pass rush, but they're missing like certain stuff on offense that was yeah. clicking so well. Like yep. Josh Allen did not look good yesterday, and he did not look good against the Steelers. He's had either, a quiet so. season so far. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it, I, it's only two <clears throat> games again, but right. The concerns with Tua, um, and the O line there in Miami. Um, there's only so far that uh, these added weapons can carry you, and the defense as well. And then New England. My big concern with New England and. They came close to beating Miami, and they walloped the Jets. Is my concern with New England is that how are they going to keep up with offenses that can throw the ball deep downfield and be super efficient? Let's talk about that. You look at teams like the Titans when they're right, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I would even say like Cleveland in there, maybe even Pittsburgh or something like that. Mike, you might have something here looking at their schedule, but yep. I don't know – with the approach that they've shown thus far and they've got Tampa in a couple weeks, how are they going to keep up with Tampa and that pass offense? But I'm just, I'm, a, just a way that Mac has played thus far and the way that they've kind of let him run the offense. 
That's going to be tough keeping up with like heavy offenses like that. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I'm going to run through these teams, and you tell me if you're taking the other team's offense over the Patriots. Yep. Saints? I would take the Patriots. Bucks. I would take the Bucks. Bucks. Cowboys. I would take the Cowboys. Chargers. I would take Chargers. the Chargers. Panthers. The Panthers. Browns. The Browns. Falcons. Patriots. Watch yourself. That's the Patriots. Titans. The Titans. Bills. The Bills. Colts. The Colts. Bills. The Bills. I'm taking the Patriots over the Colts right now. I mean, but point being, though, that's a, I mean, skipping a few teams, obviously, like the Jags and the Jets in there and yeah. Houston. But that's a majority of their schedule. They cannot keep up with these offenses. Yeah. Even if they do open up the playbook for Mac Jones, you're still taking all of those offenses over the Patriots. And yeah, I know in the game against <clears throat> the Jets, yeah, they want to keep it simple for Mac just so we can learn. He's making the smart plays. How is it – what is going to happen when you're playing these teams? Because the defense can make plays. But even when the defense makes plays like the four picks – it doesn't turn into much because the offense doesn't do much. I'm just going to keep it straight up. You, you just can't keep up with this little dink and go, dinking, dump and go, handoff shtick. It just doesn't work. Like, I understand completely why Bill Belichick is going with the conservative offensive play, but it, when you're going up te- against teams like Tampa, Dallas, Cleveland, all these teams that are efficient on offense and can move the ball consistently, even in the air. It's just not going to work, especially with pass rush, too. If you look at Cleveland, for example, you can't just hand off the ball to Damian Harris over 20 times and expect him to get through Miles Garrett and Genevieve Clowney. It's just not going to happen. So in, in order for them to even compete with these teams, they have to open up the playbook somehow, and that even raises another can of worms, and can Mac Jones be efficient in the air? Well, I, I'm not concerned at all about his efficiency or his completion because – I even think that pushing the ball deep downfield, which is something that he's done very limited in these two games, he showed a lot of efficiency in that during college. So we'll see how that translates. Um, it's not something that I'm big concerned about, but I want to see how they kind of adjust to throwing the deep ball. Uh, Nelson Aguilar uh, missed a decent amount of training camp, and he's been decent in these first two games. He's going to be a deep uh, threat, along with uh, Kendrick Bourne, who honestly hasn't really done much in his first couple of games. Um, but you have good yak guys like Jacoby Myers and Jonu Smith in there as well. It's kind of interesting to see what they're going to do, especially against they come up with the Saints here in week three. Yeah, They have a depleted uh, secondary corner, so this honestly might be a good test for them to kind of preview what they could do against teams like Tampa Bay where they kind of need to uh, keep up with their offense. Is this where they're going to start opening up the playbook for Mac against the Saints? Because they need to soon. Will he go back and forth with Jameis? Because we know Jameis can throw the ball. Who knows? I, I legitimately have no idea what Bill Belichick's going to do. I have confidence in Mac in that one just because uh, the Patriots' pass rush has been decent thus far. And they really struggled against the uh, Panthers' pass rush, which I saw in Reddick. That's kind of it. Like, they have Brian some younger Burns. guys as well. Derek Brian Brown. Derek, as well. Brown. Derek Brown. I know, but it's not, like, one of the better pass rushes. Like, it's a mediocre one. Maybe it's one that can improve over the season. For but sure. Yeah. They're young. Right. So, have you guys thought up what, it, what your division is that's most up in the air? I have mine, yeah. All right, go ahead, Brett. Um, I didn't think it was, like, going to be like this at first, but now watching 
the play through the first two weeks, I think the NFC East is legitimately up for grabs for anyone. I agree. All four teams. The Giants looked really good against Washington. I like the play by Daniel Jones. The Eagles surprised me against Atlanta. I thought it was going to be a lot more lopsided for Atlanta than I thought. But Philly just came out, and Nick Sirianni had a great scheme with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders with Devonta Smith, too. And then they put up a close fight against San Fran, but just couldn't finish the job. But then you have, obviously, Dallas and Washington. Those are self-explanatory. So I think this division could legitimately go to anyone. There's no clear answer. I agree with you, but I still think Philly is going to kind of keep on the sizzle hush-hush. down after a while. But um, the Giants... In the offseason, I was super high on them, their defense especially. The weapons they got for Daniel Jones. And I said, Daniel Jones, we will see because he has weapons now. What happened when Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs? We saw him jump. Well, here's the thing. He's popping off with someone he already had there, Sterling Sterling Shepard. I know, but now he has more weapons is what I I'm saying. You, yeah. Like Galladay, Tony, I know they haven't done There's much. a lot more pressure on Daniel Jones well, Tony now and Galladay were both mad. That was a storyline of its own about how much they were getting targeted. Galladay also said that he was not yelling at Daniel Jones on the sideline. He was yelling at Jason Garrett. Okay. But he said now they're cool, which it's a heat of the moment, you know. It happens game-wise. But I was on the Giants. Dallas, you can see what their offense is doing. Trevon Diggs Stats look good. good for a cornerback one. So if he turns out, and then Washington, you know what they can do offensively and more so defensively. This whole division is going to come down to who can essentially yeah. ride the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Whoever can go on a streak will take this division between the top three because I don't really see Philly having longevity throughout the season. Who's Who's your division, Mike? Which is the same thing. I, yeah, I agree with you because uh, it's tough because you see the NFC North. It's like up in the air. It's a close race. You know, the Packers are going to take that yeah. away. NFC South, the Bucks. Bucks, right. But I would agree with you in the NFC East is probably the second most. Gotcha. So when we move on here, and I have a little bit of a smaller version of a segment here. Probably not going to be anything too, too recurring, but I thought it would be kind of interesting here to do something. Uh, with a couple of these uh, undefeated teams or uh, 0-2 teams. And we'll call it Fraud or Applaud here. So Ooh, we're I gonna like that it. name. Yeah, okay, thank you. So we're going to find out. Would you jack some... that off someone? No, it's uh, just something I thought of. Ben is so creative. He is. Wow, I'm ben really glad that you thought mind. I stole that from someone. Media writing's really coming to you with all these headline ideas. Um, that's good. No, I'm just... Uh... He's a creative man. <laughs> he is a creative man. <laughs> all right, we'll move on. Um, so we're just going to go through some of these teams that are either 2-0 and or 0-2 currently, and we're going to talk about if we think they're frauds, if they're not legit or for what they're doing right now, or if we should applaud them for what they're doing uh, and stop touching that Bronco. Uh, we're going to go to the Broncos uh, in just a moment, but we're going to start off with their division rival in the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, they're 2-0 and right now. They've beaten up against two uh, playoff teams from last season in, in the Ravens and the Steelers. Do we think they are frauds, or do we want to give them applause? The, the Raiders are notorious for regressing as the season continues happened last year I think this time there might be a legitimate shot you can applaud them 
I like the pass rush with Max Crosby and Carl Nassib. Cleveland Farrell obviously hasn't panned out to what he should be at a number four pick, even though that was a reach pick to begin with. He's yeah. not even on their no. like, active he was, roster. He was inactive. Um, and I really like this offense uh, with Vegas. Other than the offensive line, the weapons have been really clicking with Derek Carr. Uh, the one-two tandem between Jacobs and Kenyon Drake seems to be working. Darren Waller and Derek, have a, Derek Carr have a connection beyond belief. Brian Edwards, I know you stand him, Ben. He's been really good. That's, side point here. It's been unbelievable. He had another touchdown that was taken back yep. on a Raiders penalty. So that's two consecutive games. We'll go for three this week. If Brian Edwards loses another touchdown because of the Raiders, oh, my God. They're <laughs> Move on. And then Ruggs. I was going to mention Henry Ruggs had that great play against Pittsburgh, but Ruggs is known to be flashy, so I'm not going to consider it too much as of yet, but this Raiders offense looks a lot better than what people are giving it credit for. Agreed. I'm calling them frauds, though. Just because I don't see this team offensively, I like them. Offensive line is Gruden kick himself that he kind of blew up the O-line. Yeah. Maybe. After seeing how good this team actually is so far. And they gave Colton Miller over $50 million, even though he's only been in the league for just over two years now. They got to lock up someone. Yeah. But someone. He, he, is, he, is, he has been good, though. He's been in solid. his time in the league. But defensively, I have questions. You have the pass rush, like you mentioned, Max Crosby and Gakwe. The secondary, young, but Trayvon Mullen and Trevon Merrick, but I don't know. I I just don't see this team having longevity. I think they're a fun team offensively, oh, but I think the race is tight in the AFC for a wild card spot. At this point, I would put Miami over them. I would say the Colts, but who knows with Carson Wentz's two broken eight or two sprained ankles. I'd throw maybe all the top three teams in the AFC North over them at this point, and I'd throw the Chargers over them. But it's a it's a tight race. Yeah, I'll probably have to go with fraud as well. It's mainly just because I'm still like super concerned about probably the three things I was most concerned about them coming into the season, which was their O line, their secondary, and then just their run game just because Josh Jacobs has kind of taken a down tilt every year that he's been in the league like he had a couple like just mediocre or he had one mediocre game to begin the season was like 30 yards made up by a couple touchdowns uh against a Ra- against the Ravens uh already missing one game because of injury possibly set to miss another game this week for week three um just because it's uh, another turnaround there so concerning there and then just I don't feel confident that their secondary is going to be able to hold up against uh, any of the three teams that are in their division um, which is kind of a big component there and then just their protection of Derek Carr it's been it's been decent so far but they haven't really faced um, like a really tough uh, D uh, D line thus far so we'll kind of have to see on that but I think I'll have to go for fraud so far but We'll move on, actually, to uh, their division rival. I kind of teased this before as uh, Mike was tickling the little Bronco. <laughs> we'll go over to the Denver Broncos. 
I'll have Mike start this one. So uh, there's two and zero this far. They've played uh, very well, fo- very well uh, against both the Jets and the Jaguars. Uh, Teddy Giants, Bur- Giants, Giants, the, the Giants, Giants and the Jaguars. Excuse me. They play the Jets this week. Uh, that's my mistake. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's thrown for over 275 in both of them. A couple touchdowns in both <clears> of them. Uh, good job by the run game. Strong plays by the defense. Mike, are we giving them the fraud tab, or should we give them some applause? Well, let's take a look. 2-0. and Okay, okay. Could be a little contender. Could be a little wild card team. The Jets, 3-0. and Dog, this team might go undefeated. 3-0. and Then you get the Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns, Washington, Dallas, skip the Eagles, Chargers, Chiefs. That's... That's tough to see because I don't see the Broncos coming away with more than two or three wins against them. And I know they they show flashes of potential. I like their offense a lot. Jerry Judy get healthy, but they don't have them. I, I just can't say they're real a real playoff threat right now. I got to go frauds on them. We'll save Brett for last year, so I'll go next. Um, <laughs> You're killing me, dude. Um, <laughs> I am. I am going to give them applause, and I am going to give them applause, even though that I would say right now I wouldn't have them as a playoff team. I would have them pretty darn close. I think that even with Jerry Judy uh, missing time with a high ankle sprain and kind of the back and forth that's going on with Bradley Chubb as well. Teddy Bridgewater has played very well uh, in his first two games here with Denver. Uh, pretty much doing exactly what he needs to do, which is just be a game manager and work out with these great offensive weapons. Finally saw Cortland Sutton have a good game this past week. Uh, Noah Fant got another touchdown, so he's been good so far. Um, still have guys like KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick who have been fine. Uh, the defense has been really strong. It's been against two uh, lackluster offenses, but still they're putting up points uh, when they need to against bad defenses. So we'll see how they adjust to teams like the Chargers and the Chiefs within their own division. But they've done really well. I don't know uh, how far this success can carry over. Uh, but for the time being, I think there will be a competent football team a little bit more uh, or a little less concern around them than I do the Raiders, which is why I will give them the applause button here. Can I talk? Am I allowed to? No one's, <laughs> no one's stopping you. Okay, cool. Um, All right, so we'll move on. Um, oh, my God. Go ahead, Brett. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this is tough. As much as I love him to death, I loved – I don't even know what to tag him. I'm going to give them applause for now with the way they're playing. Long term, I think they're frauds. Um, so we'll just say that you call them frauds. <laughs> I love the way that Teddy Bridgewater is managing the offense right now. They look good. Cortland Sutton had nine catches for 159 yards, I believe in that game looked really good against the Jags obviously secondary concerns for the Jags so um, it's a little bit more uncertain until they face good teams 
But there's a lot of concerns in terms of injury for this team. Obviously, Ronald Darby's an IR. Josie Jewell, their starting inside linebacker, is now out for the year yeah. with a torn pec. They have lost Jerry Judy with a sprained ankle. Special teams has looked like hot garbage. They, I think they're ranked 32nd right now in terms of special teams. Um, um, I think that's last place. It, it, it is, in fact, last place. They, they let up a kick return to the Jaguars the first time they've done that since 2018. Well, I mean, Jamal Agnew's like one of the best punt returners or kick returners in the league. So Still I think though. that's understandable. Still, though. Okay. I just – if you're going up against teams like Dallas, Washington, Cleveland, Vegas, if they can string it together, it's going to be tough for the Broncos to really shine as a team that can take this next step. I think they won't reach there until they're 100% healthy and 100% ready to roll. But until they get those injuries, I, I, I still have so many questions. And their whole division is tough, too. It is. It's, I didn't think I was going to say this at the beginning of the season, but I think this division could be up for grabs. Bold take. Uh, <laughs> no! You want to back that up? Keep going. Keep going with it. Chiefs are currently sitting in third place at one and one. Yes, it's been two games. I'll, I'll just, if the Broncos they're. and Raiders continue to play the way they have, and they continue to win football games, I'm not saying they'll win the division. How about the Chargers? I put the Chargers over the. Okay, other two. let's put on the Chargers as well. If they continue to win football games and some and reach double digits, I'm not saying they're winning the division. I still think it's Kansas City, but I think that it's going to be closer than people think. Well, you just said it was up for grabs. That means anyone's... Like, I still think it's Kansas City, but I think it could be up for grabs. That's contradicting. Well, like, I want to get your point here. So you said just if they continue winning football games. What if the Chiefs continue winning football games? And it's the Chiefs. It all depends on who wins more football games, obviously. Well, yeah, that's football, yeah. But why Like, why do you have the confidence in the Broncos and the Raiders and stuff? That's That's my, like, query here. Why do I have confidence in them? Yeah, over the Chiefs. The schedule strength. That's what I'm looking at right now. Obviously, the Broncos have one of the more weaker schedules in football. Yes, it's not crazy. <laughs> it's one of the weaker schedules in total. It looks like a, it looks like a decently tough schedule, though. Yeah, just from what Mike had read off earlier. From what they faced in previous seasons, it's... Uh, let's let's see the Chiefs side. schedule. So, I'll pull up the Raiders schedule right here. Go ahead. No, no, don't even waste time on the Raiders. All right, so I'll pull up Chargers if you want to pull up Kansas City. I mean, I mean, this is basically just a Chiefs thing, though. Okay, so, sure. Go with the Chiefs. Outside of the divisional games. Yep. They play Philadelphia, Buffalo, Washington, Tennessee, Giants, Packers, Cowboys, Steelers, Bengals. Some tough games in there. There are tough games, but I have enough faith in the Chiefs. It'll, I'm also, I know they just lost to Baltimore. It's one loss in a great game. But if they're going to do that same sort of shtick with Green Bay, with Washington, with all these other teams, sort of makes you think. I'm not saying it's pot, like, I'm not saying they can't, like, it's going to be, how do I word this? If the Chiefs did what they did against the Ravens every time they faced a good opponent makes you think. 
Well, I'll say this. The Ravens are one of the smartest football teams in the entire NFL. So if anyone's going to take advantage of their mistakes, it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens or like Sean Payton and the Saints. I don't think not anything to be rude against the Packers or anything. I don't think the Packers are going to be able to do that, especially with okay, whether enough. they played in basketball games. And I think it's tough to judge that game solely based off of how Lamar Lamar's play style. Correct. Because he had over 100 yards rushing and you don't plan It's for... a different sort of scheme. Right. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's a bold take for a reason. Obviously, okay. it sounds insane, but if the Chiefs make mistakes like they did at the end of that game against Baltimore and they let teams like the Ravens capitalize, it makes you think. That's all I'm saying. I guess the last thing I'll say is like, and obviously <laughs> any any season is different from the previous one, but like how many times have Kansas City allowed a team to come back in a game like that. Like, looking back at their track record, like, it's very few and far between. Like, that is one of the few examples last night is that they've allowed a team that they were beating by multiple touchdowns to get back into a contest. And to be fair, it's against a former MVP in Lamar Jackson and, one of the, again, one of the smartest head coaches in John Harbaugh. Okay, fair enough. I get both points. I'm right. just saying that, you know, if you, if you see what they did with Cleveland in the first half, exploited. Cleveland is a smart team, yes. Did Kansas City come back? Yes. But, once again, some little mistakes that gave Cleveland the lead in the first half. They but let Baltimore... But Cleveland's different because, not to put the Patrick Mahomes button, but I'm going to press it right now. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. They have Baker Mayfield, who has struggled in comebacks in the fourth quarter, who is notorious for not being able to put up points against teams other than the Cincinnati Bengals in the fourth quarter. So I don't think it's appropriate to compare the Browns and the Chiefs in that manner. Fair enough. I, th- I think it's appropriate to just move on on this point. Um, so I'll go over to the next 2-0 and team, uh, which is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they came up with a big win. Uh, in week one against the Titans, a little bit of an upset there. And then they came up with the uh, heartbreaking loss or heartbreaking win, I should say, to Vikings fans uh, for Greg Joseph. And anyone listen to the radio call that the Vikings guy gave? Yeah, he <laughs> said it was good at first. And he then... said it was good and it was just not. Um, <laughs> poor guy. Uh, hopefully he still has his job. But regardless, the Cardinals, 2-0 record, uh, Kyler Murray. Oh, you're raising your hand quick, but I was just going to preface. Like, Kyler Murray has played really well. Uh, I want to say he's had 350 scrimmage in each of these contests at the very minimal. Uh, so he's played really well, a couple touchdowns, uh, both through the air and uh, on the ground. So he's been good. Uh, Diop's been kind of limited. Uh, mainly, honestly, been mainly getting his work on the first drive of each contest. But Ronald Moore's been great. Christian Kirk has got have a couple big touchdowns. Even A.J. Green has been involved. So... And their defense, you love Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt over there. So I'll turn it over to Mike, who's begging to get his thoughts out here. Doug, the first two are frauds, but I think Megan Stallion's in the room because we are making it applaud, bro. We are making it clap. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. We are making it clap for the Cardinals. They are contenders for sure. Kyler Murray, 
he's leading MVP odds right now, I want to say. Uh, I believe he or is up right there. Now. He should be, yeah. Hmm. Kyle Murray, insane. Hmm. He's kind of like... Hmm. You still think he's better than Patrick Mahomes, Brett? No, I'm just saying. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this later. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just playing. Kyler Murray, he's he's kind of like a he's. I mean, I said yesterday when I was watching him, he's kind of like what you would want from Lamar. Kyler Murray is he can do it on his feet, he can do it on the ground, he can do it through the air with his cannon of an arm. I love it. Yeah. I'm I also love it. I'm also going to give him applause. Kyler Murray, he's doing really well. Um, and then just looking at it from the defensive side too, I just I like the pass rush with JJ Watt and Chandler Jones. Yep. They've been doing a heck of a job the past two games. The fact that they put up that huge statement against Tennessee Week One was really mm. good. Then you go in and I will I will say they did get lucky against Minnesota, but they played one heck of a game. Kyler Murray, uh, I'll just read the stat line. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it already, Ben. Um, 400 yards in the air with, let me see here. He went 29 for 36, 400 yards, three touchdowns. He did have two picks, though. Um, But that's still really impressive out of Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. Um, And this Cardinals team looks really good. And I actually think I'll give Cliff Kingsbury some credit on this, too. Hasn't had so much success in seasons past, but his scheming has looked good. On both sides of the ball, so I'm giving credit to the Cardinals. Yeah, here. I am buying all the Arizona Cardinals stock. Oh, we got a store. first wow. clean sweep of this one because I'm giving them a heck of a lot of applause here. Yes, Cliff Kingsbury. Ben is making it clap for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, we won't go making that the stalemate. Cliff Kingsbury has fixed it up. Uh, Kyler Murray is carrying him right now, uh, just like he usually does. Um, but Kyler's playing really well right now. His skill position players are doing great. That pass rush has mm-hmm. been unbelievable. Even the secondary, which isn't like terribly great or anything. Patrick nah. Peterson's over there, but no, nah, um, he's in Minnesota. Oh, he is. They got Byron Murphy and I honestly couldn't name you. It their... was supposed to be. Malcolm it's like Butler. okay though. They haven't been like torched. Yeah. Honestly, Minnesota kind of torched them. So that might be a little bit of a concern. It's, but it's literally like, like Byron I don't Murphy. think. I think aside from the Rams, all the teams in the NFC West have weak secondaries. Am I? Am I the wrong number on one that? cornerback in San Francisco is Josh Norman. Keep that in mind. You're not wrong. You're yeah. very much not Seattle, wrong. Seattle's is like middle of the road, and then Arizona's and San Fran's are bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So, I um, mean, they do have Buda Baker LA's in there. Yeah, but he which helps safety. So right, corner cornerback wise, no. I mean, but their defense, like overall, like got torched a little bit by Minnesota. Uh, but Minnesota's got a decent offense, so I'm not going to fault him like completely right. on that. But Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Isaiah Simmons finally coming into his role. Jordan Hicks, solid, yeah, they, does what he they does. They honestly could make a run at – I think they can make a run at like a six or seven like seed in the NFC. Oh, I would agree with that. So. Yeah. I'm going to give the five to like the Rams and the Seahawks, whatever, whichever one doesn't win the oh. division, at least for the time being. But I think six or seven is definitely possible for them. I was just gonna ask you, but you basically just answered my question. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say we see we all have the Rams at the top of yeah. the NFC mm-hmm. I think or the NFC West. Yeah. What's the likelihood Arizona jumps Seattle? I I I would say it's seventy five twenty five Seattle's in Seattle's favor. Yep. I I'm gonna like, agree it's with, pretty heavy. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Ben here. Obviously, it all depends on what the Seahawks do in the second half of the season. If Russ looks like he's starting to fall apart and the defense can't defense can't keep up, 
maybe starts to lean towards a 50-50. But for right now, I think the odds are stacked against Arizona. And, like, Pete Carroll's not a perfect coach or anything, but yeah. I still trust him a lot more than Clicks Kingsbury. So oh, absolutely. I think there's scheming in there, and I think uh, those head two head-to-head matchups, they were both really good games last season, and I think they'll be both uh, really good again. So we'll go to our last 2-0 and team here, um, and we mentioned them pretty heavily at the last at the end of last episode, but uh, Mike and I will get hyped over this one. The Carolina Panthers. Oh, uh, absolutely. Oh, you best settle down before I finish. <laughs> uh, so Sam Darnold, another great game against the Saints. Uh, again, a week in secondary without uh, Lattimore, but still a very good game for Darnold. Again, right around 290 uh, yards, a couple touchdowns in there. Christian McCaffrey went off, once again, got his first touchdown of the season. DJ Moore had eight catches uh, for like 90 yards or so and a touchdown. So he had a really good game as well. That defense looked pretty solid. I know that Jameis only threw for like 150 in the first game, but I threw for even less in this one. Um, and they looked really good. Hassan Reddick was getting to the quarterback. Uh, they had uh, J.C. Horn got his first interception of the season, uh, and the secondary looked good. So I want to start this one. So I am going to start the fraud or applaud here for the Panthers. And this is an easy applaud for me. I'm really happy about them. I think that their young defensive core that is kind of built over the past couple of years and even through the draft this year, uh, mainly with someone like J.C. Horn, um, it might have been a little bit of surprise that he, he was taken there by the Panthers. Yeah, but he was. It honestly looks like a good decision, at least for now. Um, we'll have to see, obviously, as time goes on and everything. But, man, their offense looks great. Uh, they've played against two mediocre – I don't want to call the Saints mediocre because that feels weird, but their secondary was missing Marshawn Lattimore, and they were also missing a couple other starters as well. Marcus so they Davenport, were CJGJ. Exactly. So they weren't facing the top of the Saints. So we'll have to see as Carolina continues on. They play Houston this week, but uh, they have upcoming matchups uh, against uh, guys like Tampa and stuff. So we'll see how that turns out, but – at least for right now, I feel really confident in where Carolina stands. I don't think that they have a really glaring weakness. I will say, however, and I think you're thinking about this too, the offensive line. One thing that I noticed in this game against the Saints, when Christian McCaffrey was off the field, he was dealing with a cramp injury. There were two drives that uh, they both ended in punts, I believe, uh, or turnovers. I, I think it were both punts. And the scheming for the offensive line, changed a decent amount with uh, Royce Freeman and Chuba Hubbard in the backfield and Darnold was getting easily hit but when CMC was in the backfield it, I don't know it just seemed like Darnold was either able to get the ball out quickly enough or he wasn't really being pressured at all I don't know if it was just coincidence or something there but I think other than the O-line um, they're a really good football team I think they might be a little bit over dependent on CMC but who wouldn't be over dependent on CMC? Right. That's like yeah. he's like the security on like Henry off. or uh, Cook or one of those players. So right. I'm really confident in the Panthers. I think they're kind of in the same boat as the Cardinals fight for a six or a seven seed. I don't think they fight with Tampa Bay, but I think they're a really solid uh, number two in that division, uh, at oh. least for the time being. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm applauding for them. I've been applauding for them since before the season started. I've been saying Sam Darnold's a good quarterback. He just needs the right system. And the Carolina system is a quarterback dream. With CMC, all the receiving weapons, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? 
So Sam Darnold just showing. You're seeing Sam Darnold without Adam Gase, and you love to see it. I love to see it. I love to see it, too. Clean sweep once again. I'm going with applaud. Um, literally just looking at the Panthers' schedule right now, not even considering who they have on a roster. It's pretty horrendous. You play Houston. You play Philly, Minnesota, the Giants, Falcons. Your strength, your toughest part of the schedule comes towards the back half where you have Buffalo and then Tampa Bay week 16 and 18. So that'll be a tough final stretch for a playoff yes, push. But, yeah. um, the first... 13 weeks of the season, Panthers got it pretty easy. Um, and I think Sam Darnold and company are going to eat this, eat their schedule up alive. And just looking at the way they've been playing football right now, I'm very impressed. I wasn't high on them at first, but I'm pretty high on them now. I like Darnold in this system. I think he matches perfectly with what Joe Brady and Matt Rule want. And this defense... I love it. I mean, I think J.C. Horn was a bit of a stretch at first, but like Ben said, looks like the right decision as of right now. You have Jeremy Chin, who's really stepped up. Brian Burns and keep going. Derek Brown. Keep going. Led that defensive keep line. Keep going. Yeah, I know. I'm going to keep going with the uh, the Panthers talk all day long, and yes. you'll probably hear it more. But I, 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 I think this Panthers team is going to be good. Yitor Gross Matos. Wow. <laughs> that is all. All right, so we will go move on into a couple zero and two teams here Ooh, that I yeah, wanted okay. to highlight specifically. Hold on one gonna... second. Hold on one second. Just got an update. Speaking of Monday Night Football, Mr. Aaron Jones, six catches, hundred fifteen total yards, and four tutties. So if you got him in your fantasy lineup, kudos to you. Go ahead. Ooh, ooh, sounds good. Um, so we'll go over to. A couple O and two teams that I specifically wanted to highlight. I'm gonna sorry to be rude here, Vikings fans, but I'm gonna highlight the least less interesting one first. Uh the Minnesota Vikings wow. here. Uh they're O and two right now. Uh two really close games, uh two losses against the Bengals and the Cardinals both came down to pretty much the last drive involved in either. Um both ending with uh either a fortunate or miss unfortunate kick um Kirk Cousins has played decent in both games their defense has been torched uh in both games so that is carried over from last season but the offense looks very good Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook look good the past uh offense looks pretty solid so just thoughts on the Vikings here frauds do we think that uh we'll change the narrative here so fraud you're choosing fraud here if you don't think they're actually as bad as they've played thus far or you'll applaud uh, if you actually think that the way that they're playing right now is where you'll have them at at the end of the season. I'm, I'm also going to go with applaud here on the reverse narrative. Um, I just think it's time for the Vikings to move on from Mike Zimmer. I think the talent's there. I really like the offense with Cook, Jefferson, and Thielen. Yeah. Um, I like Matson too, as a backup. Even when Cook's hurt, Matson's solid. Um, but I just don't think the scheme is there at all. I just don't think her cousins and Mike Zimmer match well. Um, and the defense in the secondary has been suffering too. Harrison Smith obviously is the outlier there. Um, but I just think it's time to move on from Mike Zimmer. And I, until then, I don't see this team going any much further than mediocrity. Yeah, I'm also applauding because I – oh, it's backwards this time. Applauding means that – You think they're bad. Yeah. Um – no, I'm going to say fraud. 
I'm I'm gonna say fraud okay. because I like basically exactly what Brett said, except kind of different arguments. Because I like the offense. I like what they're doing. I think they have defensive pieces. They're better than how they're playing. They lost on two field goals or a missed field goal this past week. Yep, which I easily could have been it's clean correct. up some sloppy play that could be two and zero. I just don't understand how you lose that close of a game to the Bengals. And listen, the Cardinals is a little more understanding. Cardinals have a lot more of a high-powered offense. But Cincinnati, who had struggles throughout the entirety of last season with Joe Burrow and without Joe Burrow, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I think Minnesota, Minnesota to me, is always going to be that team as long as they keep this core together. They're always going to be on the brink of the playoffs. Never get there. Right. But, yeah, I think they're... A solid team. Yeah, I think I guess I break the tiebreaker here. I'll say fraud, and I'll say this, that it's not because I have overconfidence here in the Vikings. I've always liked their offense since the start of last season, just the way that they've kind of gone back and forth between being uh, like really heavy on Dalvin Cook one game, but easily able to transition to uh, a pass-heavy approach like they did this past week even though that Dalvin Cook had a really efficient game uh, on the ground. It's kind of similar to what the Titans did last year. hope they do that this year, but we'll move on from them. Um, I think it's mainly because, or I'll mainly say that I think they can improve because of the division. I think that uh, just because of the way that the Bears have played this far and the Lions are still the Lions, um, I still think that even with a weak defense, They'll still be able to put up uh, a decent amount of wins with a, in their own division. So I think they'll be able to stay relevant. And if you have a decent offense uh, with Dalvin Cook as well, um, I think they'll be able to stay relevant pretty much is the yeah. argument that I'm making here. So I'll say, I'll say they're frauds and that they are uh, legitimate here. But we'll go to the main uh, 0-2 team that I wanted to talk about here, and I will lock eyes with Mike here and say that the Carson Wentz experience in Indianapolis there it is. is failing right now. They are 0-2. They have been uh, pretty much manhandled back-to-back weeks by Seattle and Los Angeles. Got a little bit of a closer matchup with the Rams this past week, but still no uh, cigar here. And now Carson Wentz is dealing with double ankle injuries on both ankles. What what do you even have to say about this that? This poor dude has had ankle palooza the entire <laughs> like first half of the season. So, can I start, please? Go, Go ahead. ahead. <laughs> so, I love this Colts roster on paper, but my problem is with Carson Wentz being out with these little injuries every week, they will never be able to get consistent on offense. Defensively, they'll be fine. They'll do their thing defensively, but offensively, with Carson Wentz, they will never be able to get the consistent the consistency going. I just um, go ahead. I mean, we're I guess we're applauding for that Owen too, Doug, because they're going to keep it going. <laughs> um, the same thing as Mike. I just I thought Carson Wentz was going to mesh well with Frank Reich really well, but clearly it's the exact opposite. <laughs> Well, even with, they have been playing playoff teams. They have. They've played Seattle and L.A., which, don't get me wrong, two 
really high-powered offenses and solid defenses for the most part, especially with L.A. Yeah. Um, but I, until Carson Wentz gets 100% healthy and figures out what the heck is going on with his ankles, had the ankle surgery before the season, now double ankle sprains, my God, like, this is bad. Um, and and the thing is, when he went out first with when he got the ankle surgery, his the latest he could return was week eight. Yeah, and he started week one. I feel like that was rushed. Pretty much. It Same c- thing with Quentin Nelson. I don't know, but like you said, you thought him and Frank Reich could have got something going if he stays healthy. Can he stay healthy? I, I'm gonna. Reverse narrative, applaud that. I don't think he stays healthy. Doug, we are applauding for this 0-2. I am sadly applauding for this 0-2 with tears in my eyes. With tears in my eyes. So as being the lone uh, proprietor here on this podcast that uh, picked the Tennessee Titans over the Indianapolis Colts to win this division, I'll just pat myself on the back here real quick. But I'll be honest, uh, if not for the news today that uh, Wentz had the double ankle uh, sprains, I was going to give the Colts the benefit of the doubt. I was going to kind of forgive them. And uh, see, you played Seattle. You played Los Angeles. Carson Wentz has been terrible in the red zone thus far this season. But um, did you see the, like, the little shovel pass that he had ben, for just, an interception? Ben, just keep going. Just that keep was going. ugly. We just don't even um, need to mention that. I was going to give un- you the- Unnecessary, Benjamin. Just keep, just keep it going. Keep okay, going. Okay, Michael. Uh, I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but then the news comes out, and there's a good chance that Jacob Eason starts not only this week, but uh, for a couple weeks future. So, it, I didn't follow it, so it's Jacob Eason, not Sam Ehlinger? Yeah, it's Jacob Eason. Huh, I thought it was going to be Ehlinger. Well, Eason came in um, Sunday. Yeah. yeah, I didn't follow the entire game, so fairly new to that. So, continue. Uh, yeah, pretty much what I was going to say is uh, with Jacob Eason under center, I don't have confidence in this team. No, uh, they're playing not. Tennessee this week, and I think this is the get-right game for Tennessee I'm... in full blast. <laughs> so you know what? If it doesn't happen, I will be super sad uh, next Monday or Tuesday. So look out for that world. But regardless, I am going to uh, – I will applaud the narrative that Indianapolis goes on with 0-2. And you look confused here, Mike. Jacob Beeson breakout game. He threw a pick on his first completion. It was it was early game jitters. Early game jitters. That's the first the time le- he's it was ever. Like a two minute warning. That's the territory. first time he's ever appeared in an NFL game. Yeah, yeah. Come a little bit slow. First game jitters. First game jitters. Zach Wilson threw four picks and second game jitters. Second yeah. game jitters. Yeah, I'm, I'm not giving up on Jackson. So. All right, so I have one more point here, and this was a special request here from my buddy here, Andrew Michelak. So shout out to Andrew uh, for me covering this topic here. So young Andrew Dalton for the Chicago Bears uh, is unlikely to be starting here in week three. Suffered a couple of injuries. I believe it was groin. I want to say you're correct. Let me look that up for you. Yeah, uh, I believe it was a groin injury. He came back in and out twice in that contest against the Bengals, uh, which he did not look great. It was his knee. Bone bruise in his knee. It was a bone bruise in his knee, and they were talking about uh, potential MCL sprains there, but nothing too clarified there. Dog. (laughs) 
Wow. Wow. All right, so we have one last thing here to talk about here, and this is a special request here from my buddy Andrew Michelak, so shout out to Andrew. Uh, young Andrew Dalton uh, for the <laughs> Chicago Bears uh, suffered a couple knee injuries against the Bengals, was in and out of that contest. It wasn't really a pretty game for the Bears, but they ended up coming out with the win uh, for Justin Fields. Justin Fields ended up playing the rest of the contest. And so the main question here is after the press conference uh, confirming the knee injury with Andy Dalton, uh, Matt Nagy was asked, asked uh, through the personnel, what's the situation and how uh, soon will Andy Dalton be back? And what's the starting situation with Justin Fields? And pretty much the main takeaway was, and this is kind of upsetting to us, I would assume that he pretty much said that if Andy Dalton is healthy, he will be the starter. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't comprehend. I don't, it it doesn't compute. Is there something that we're missing about Justin Fields and how if he isn't progressing the way they want? So is- I'll mention this real quick. So Justin Fields, I want to pull up his specific numbers from this game. Uh, he came into it, and he came into it like in the second quarter or something. Um, his stats ended up being da, 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 a 6-for-13, 60 yards, uh, no touchdowns, and a pick. So he was playing against a mediocre defense in the Bengals. Honestly, I think they're a little bit better than kind of what we give him credit for uh, with the additions of, like, Trey Hendrickson and stuff in free agency. But um, they're all, overall not that great. Uh, but Fields didn't play that well. Um, what I would mainly say is, though, that he usually isn't coming into the contest expecting, at least from what they showed in week one, playing more than like maybe four or five plays. So I understand where like the play was coming from, but Brett, you seem to think that this part of the game uh, might have something to do with why Dalton's getting the nod. I think the way Fields played at the end of that game kind of – paints a small picture as to why Matt Nagy has having a tougher time than what we think he is. Fields obviously didn't come out and have the game, the end of the game that everyone thought he was going to have. Around 150 yards passing, a couple touchdowns, fantastic performance out of Fields, woos the crowd, gets rid of Dawn. He struggled, and that's what a rookie quarterback is going to do, and I think this sort of puts realization on the fact that you know, Andy Dalton is a recognized starting quarterback in the NFL. Started just about 10 years in Cincinnati, and now he's started a number of games in Dallas, and now he's in Chicago. So it's just a matter of do you continue to play a little bit more risky and understand the fact that fields may cost you a couple of games because of rookie mistakes, or do you continue to go with Dalton, who understands a veteran scheme, and, you know, knows how to win football games sometimes. Yes, Dalton's not what he was in Cincinnati, but I can understand where Nagy's coming from. And this is a harder decision than what some people are making it out to be. Is that the question? I think this is a harder decision than what it is. I, I disagree. I still don't think Fields is ready yet. That's my thing. I agree with you, but just based off the fact that the Chicago Bears have – no real playoff expectations That's this fair. year. Fair. Throw Fields in there. 
if they're like a um, for example, San Francisco, Jimmy G, he's got the hot hand. Keep him in your playoff contender. Everyone's expecting you in the playoffs. Yeah, keep keep Jimmy G. No one expects the Bears to do this. If the Bears were in that position and Andy Dalton's got the hot hand, you keep him in. You know, it's understandable. But just due to the fact that I don't see them being a playoff threat or even a wild card contender. Throw Justin Fields in there. He is and he I, is your future, and Why I can not? understand that. We've seen situations where that where that's worked out. Justin Herbert, prime example, got thrown in, succeeded really well. Ben Roethlisberger, when he first started out, got thrown in, succeeded really well. I just don't think Fields is ready yet. When you have a starting quarterback who knows what he can do, I think you give Dalton a couple more weeks. I think you let Fields understand the playbook more and then put him in. I'm on the mindset that you keep Dalton in until you reach that point with Justin Fields. That's my understanding. There's obviously plenty of evidence and reasoning to back up putting Fields in, and you're absolutely right. It could be a great call in terms of Matt Nagy, but the way I look at it, I think you give Fields more time to understand it and really come in and show what he's got. Well, I'll pose this. like, If Fields is like so unfamiliar with the playbook and stuff and you want him to learn more like why is that the narrative not why is that not the narrative with all first year quarterbacks like Justin Fields was the second best quarterback following Trevor Lawrence maybe some people said Zach Wilson was better but I thought Justin Fields was the second best quarterback in the yes, draft I agree and now he's being forced kind of in, into a sense where he's like Trey Lance where he needs to he's still a raw player and he still needs to learn more uh in the playbook and stuff while Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are being thrown into the fire here Justin Fields is just as ready as those other two and he's got a roster around him that should be able to support the potential mistakes that he does make and I still think he'll make less mistakes than Andy Dalton will I know he's a more secure player just because of his reputation and what he's done in the past with both Cincy and with Dallas last year, kind of keeping them afloat. But if you have a chance here, and it's not a definite chance, I'd rather go down swinging for the fences rather than kind of just throw in Dalton where his upside is capped. And you know, like, if you're playing a Rams, a Bucks, a Green Bay at their best, a Seattle there is no chance, almost no chance, that you are beating them with Andy Dalton, whereas Justin Fields, you have a chance there. And it's going to be growing pains, but still, I think his upside gives you at least a shot at competing with those upper-tier teams if you really want to compete this year. And if not, like, then why'd you trade up and draft him then my point exactly then why'd you trade up and draft him and even if even if he is super raw this year and doesn't isn't what they expect he's your future for the for the team throw him in and we mentioned this last week like the aging defensive players and everything they're gonna be a year older when justin fields is quote-unquote ready so how is that gonna help him I know you guys are going to hate me saying this, and I almost regret saying it. Kind of like what Locke and Bridgewater were at the start. You knew you had a chance with Locke. Locke could give you a big chance, much more upside. 
but you're taking a risk. You have a chance to go through growing pains again. As to where with Bridgewater, you know where you're getting out of him, but you know the ceiling is sort of capped and what you can get with him. So I can understand why the decision is so tough because I've followed it firsthand. I think you guys are both right in the sense that Fields deserves his shot sooner than later. I still think Dalton should go at least two or three more weeks, even if you're promising him a starting job. There's obviously back and forth to both sides. It's I can I can back you guys up too with the sense that Fields should be put in pretty flippin' soon. It's it's the same situation just on like a different scale. Yeah, yeah. because I would I would no I won't even nitpick it because like I think you know where I'm coming from. Like, yeah. Locke had been in the league for a couple years. Fields had never been in the league. Yeah, that, that's Dal- that's why I was, yeah. Dalton never showed too much success with Cincy or Dallas. Teddy Bridgewater had a lot of success with, like, earlier in his in career. His, I'm talking about recently. With yeah. I'm talking about recent <clears throat> Andy Dalton, whereas Teddy Bridgewater has had success with both, like, somewhat with Carolina, but mostly with New Orleans. Even Minnesota in the beginning, hey, it's pretty good success. Yeah, a little bit, but I— I didn't want to go too far back. Yeah. But. All right. Moving on. Uh believe it's time for uh, the last Stan segment. Dan Sessions. Okay. I hope Stan we better sessions. have a bounce back this week. My goodness. Okay. So, who's starting? Uh, I, I guess Brett, I'll... You want to introduce it, first of all, for anyone sure. that doesn't know what we're talking about here. So, for those of you who don't know what Stan Sessions is, it derives off the word Stan, which is an adjective, and it basically describes someone that... You know, is a fan of something or someone that, you know, they really believe in. And in terms, in context of our podcast segment here, Stan Sessions will uh, sort of describe our favorite players from the week and why we love them so much. Um, I guess I'll just kick it off here. Uh, We're doing with two, two we'll options do, we'll here? We'll do two, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So I'll start off with Cooper Cup. Huge fan of Cooper Cup and what he's doing in L.A. right now. You mean now. you're a stan of Cooper Cup? I am a... Big time Stan at Cooper Cup right now. 11 targets, 9 catches, 163 yards, 2 touchdowns, average almost 20 yards per grab. Matt Stafford is in love with this man right now. Like, if there's a definition of man love in the NFL, it's Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup right now. Um, Robert Woods isn't getting a lick of what he had last year with Jared Goff. Uh, it's all Cooper Cup. Um... I think Cooper Cup's going to continue to what he's been doing the past two weeks. Um, and I think these first two games uh, between Chicago and Indianapolis are showing that he is the guy to beat on the Rams team. All right, I'll just get the elephant out of the room. My first stand is Lamar Jackson. Yes, sir. I mean, three total touchdowns came back from the improbable. No one expected Baltimore to win last night. Lamar put that team on his back and carried them to win that game. Straight up. Those two picks were boring. Let's go with some real stands here. My number one wide receiver for one of the best teams in the NFL. Cool. One of the former MVP here. I'm a Rondale Moore stand. Okay, I like this. I'm a Rondale Moore stand. Rondale Moore had a enormous... 77-yard catch in this game between the Vikings and the Cardinals. Two game stats here from what he's done so far. 11 catches, 13 targets, 182 yards between the two, and a touchdown. 
has pretty much been the number two weapon for Kyler Murray this far alongside DeAndre Hopkins. A.J. Green, he stinks, and you know it. And, you wow. know, Christian Kirk is always good for, like, one 50-yard catch every, like, three games or so. Uh, he had a couple, so he's probably done for, like, the next six. So Rondell wow. Moore is the second guy. And for um, for someone that was drafted a little bit later in the draft for – I don't think it was an amazing wide receiver class. Definitely, they like the explosiveness that Rondell Moore provides. And alongside Kyler Murray, I think they're pretty solid tandem. All right, back to me. Um, I technically have two more, but the other one we can just save for a last little tidbit. I'm a J.C. Jackson stan. Um, had three tackles in total against the Jets with two picks. You could argue that those two picks were happy-go-lucky. He was kind of there at the right time. Um, But J.C. Jackson had a really good game against the Jets, and I just like the way he's uh, performed recently against the Dolphins and the Jets. So I am a stan of J.C. Jackson. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Go along, Michael. J.C. Jackson was my next one. but Nah, you good. We can switch up on the fly. I guess I'll go from the same game last night because I, I really don't want to go Derrick Henry because those are two obvious ones. I'm a Jason Owe stan. Ooh, I like this pick. <laughs> Keep going. I, I'd like to hear this. I know it's Odafe. He was dry. His whole draft prospect, he was Jason Owe. I know him as Jason Owe. Jason Owe. Be quiet, Andrew. Odafe Owe. The <laughs> sealed the game with that strip sack and recovery on Clyde Edwards Lair. I am a Jason. I am a, an Odafe Jason Oa Stanathan. Benjamin. Oh, you're gonna like this one. I, I name dropped him earlier, but you don't think he's my Stan. I'm a JC Horn Stan. Oh yeah, baby. First interception of the year first of his career for jc horn unbelievable game he dropped he dropped his first potential interception earlier in the contest and you know what he did after it he went down and did 10 push-ups and he said after the game yeah that's mandatory anytime you're going to drop one that's just a team rule now that i'm going to do 10 push-ups so you love it i like you you drop a pick you got to get those push-ups put out of the way I kind of, I kind of like that. I kind of like the quirkiness, um, <laughs> and a lot of people just like the character that he's provided thus far for the team. Uh, it seems like he's going to be a little bit of a game make game uh, changer on the secondary side of things for the Panthers. A little bit of a tidbit here uh, thus far in uh, the two games that they played so far, they are six for twenty four on preventing third down. Uh, they were thirty first in the league. Uh, in the previous season, so they were terrible at preventing third down coverage. Hopefully, J.C. Horn can kind of assist with that, and he did really well against Jameis Winston. So, I am a J.C. Horn stan. I guess I'll, st- I'll finish off. With yeah, baby! You have another oh, one? yeah, baby! You have another one? One more. Oh, a small God. one. Send it off. Just to, just to send it off. McGram Gano stand. <laughs> no, he is not. No, he is not. I'm kidding. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't think he's kidding. I don't think he's kidding. Ben, ben is knocked out right now. Ben is asleep with a microphone by his feet right now. I knew as soon as I said that, this room was going to explode. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. I, I was expecting like a little under the radar receiver or something had a good game. I'm a Graham Gano stand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's time to wrap up this show. <laughs> I didn't think you were kidding, dog. I don't think you're kidding. You are a Graham Gano stand. You went five for five, twenty-two fantasy points. Let's See, he wasn't. Right. He wasn't lying. <laughs> he had the stats ready. He had the stats ready. <laughs> Abhorrent. I'm always a stand. Of giving the kickers love. No one gives the kickers love. Daniel Carlson. Oh. for four with the longest of 46. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he said the stats for DC, too. <laughs> I said to this man before we even, like, talked about what we were going to do tonight, do not, in any circumstance, pick a kicker as your stand just because you will get absolutely roasted and toasted once again. I love it. I think it's awesome. You gotta give the kicker some love. I don't. And also let go of my armoire. Unless you want it to break. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) What a a man Graham Gano is. It's so funny to look at the person's face. Like they're freaking out. Okay, I think it's time to wrap it up here. You think? All right. (laughs) So that's going to wrap it up for episode number five here of 3NL Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Music, Spotify, and Anchor. Signing off for now. The Graham Gano Stan Brett Shavs alongside Mike Cicchetti and Ben Pope. We will see you in episode number six next week. Week three of the NFL will be underway. See ya.